You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Well, it snowed in Seattle this week. It feels like Christmas. It also feels like the Seahawks might have lost a little bit of steam in the last couple of weeks. A loss against the Raiders following that loss against Tampa Bay. And John Boyle from Seahawks.com. It's uh, it's not, I think, what we've expected from this team the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. They were playing so well during that four-game winning streak, and rightly, everyone was excited about what they're doing. And I think people were... It was a little easy to write off the loss in Munich. It's, you know, kind of a one-off game. It's super early. You're playing. It's Tom Brady. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's Tom Brady. It's an interesting field condition. There's just a lot of factors where you're like, okay, they didn't play their best. Flush it, go to the bye, move on. But to come home and lose that game, that's, you know, it, it does, I wouldn't say like raise alarms, but it's a little concerning that some, as Pete Carroll said, a lot of the issues that were problem in Munich came back to bite them again last week. Well, and... There are, it's it's not just little issues. These are leading to big issues. Opponents have run for 444 yards in the last couple of games. That's on 84 carries. There's a couple of things wrong with that. Obviously, the number of yards, but it's also the amount of plays that our opponents are getting to run because the defense hasn't been able to get off the field on yeah. third down. Well, that yeah, I was gonna say those running game issues have contributed directly to teams succeeding on third down. Because if you can run the ball, even if it's you know three four yards a carry, that's not huge numbers, but you're setting up a bunch of third and shorts that you then convert on. Well, and you talk about three four runs or yards per attempt. That would be great. In fact, if you talk to Clint Hurt, the defensive coordinator, four. If you can keep yeah. a team under four, that's great. I say that, and right now in the last couple of games, 5.2 yeah. yards a carry well, for essentially, Clint, Clint brought this up. It, they started the game playing well. The first couple of series, they were bottling him up, and it's funny, you know, I'm, when I'm watching the game, I'm taking notes of things I might want to write for the game, and I, I had written down, run defense better with a question mark, and then they bust the 30-yard right after the turnover, that touchdown, and it just kind of spiraled from there. And then the, the question mark went away, and I changed it to still an issue. <laughs> so it's, you know, the, the storyline there changed. But, yeah, the first couple series, they were really doing a good job, but it just didn't – they couldn't keep it up. I had the exact same note written down. I do the same thing. I'm charting plays during the game. I'm writing potential questions as the game goes on. And that game against the Raiders could not have started any better, yeah. right? With Quandre picking off Derek Carr to start the game, you've got two interceptions in the first quarter, I did the same thing. I'm like, well, I think they figured out the issue. I also think, and John, this is a bigger conversation, and you can't sweep it under the rug, but the other thing that Coach Hurt talked about yesterday was the difference between a two-back set, Mm -hmm. a power formation, and what the Seahawks have had a hard time dealing with. We know that the last two weeks, they have faced a fullback more than they have in previous weeks. I think that's part of it, but I also want to know, like, you're not going to face that many more fullbacks this year. I yeah, mean, in, in you have San the Niners. Fran, the Niners will run San Fran, right? Yeah. But like, I don't. Is it true? Is that truly the issue, or is it not? I guess is what I'm trying to figure out. It's definitely out. part of it. I mean, you go look at it. I mean, the most stark example is that game-winning run of the fullback came and cleaned up a linebacker. And I mean, granted, other guys should have still been able to stop that play from going so big, but 
that's, you know, it, it, that used to be normal NFL football every week, but teams don't see it every week. And it, I'm not going to say it caught them off guard. They knew that the Raiders would do that, but they just obviously didn't handle it as well as they needed to. Yeah, and there was a lot of focus on Devontae Adams. Yeah. They, for the most part, kept him in check. And I would say he still had some numbers, but just in the feel of that game. Yeah, it didn't. Other than that absurd catch he had late right. in the game down the sideline, it didn't feel like he was the guy beating you, which is, again, that was what they tried to do. They put a lot of attention on him. 70 yards for him after the last few weeks is yes. a very quiet day. But if you're doing that at the expense of 200-some rushing yards, then that's not really working out. Well, and you mentioned how Pete addressed it this week. Pete is confident that they can turn things around within a week and that these are all fixable problems, but he also knows that it has to stop here. We have to get back to executing like we had been and and, uh, and, and working together more cleanly. Um, I thought both teams, they played us well, and, and uh, it looked like that. You know, I would like to have more of a factor on that, and we, we didn't, but um, so we have, to, we, have to, we have to get back to doing the things that got us there, and uh, so that's maximizing the the shots that we take and how we how we counter rushes and all that, um, and, and also fitting correctly. But the games did look similar. They did look similar, and and uh, that I I really have a problem with that. You know that it didn't change. You know, one week something happens, we should fix it the next week. And that's the biggest part. You know, I think that everyone's pointing to, including the head coaches. If if it's that one off, you you kind of feel like okay, whatever. But when it happens twice in a row you really got to start looking at, okay, how do we fix this? Because as Quandary Dick said after the game, if you don't fix it, everyone's going to do the same thing to you. This yeah. is every, you know, it's cliche to say, but it's a copycat league. And if teams look at film and say, oh, hey, this is the way you move the ball in the Seahawks, we're going to see more of it. I guess to me, the one, you know, the one reason I feel a little more optimistic than maybe some people do is we've seen them already once this year go from looking pretty bad to suddenly playing really good defense. So I do think that they're capable of getting a lot better and getting back to, looking a lot more like the team they were during that winning streak than the one we saw these past two weeks. Well, and it's not just on defense, right? Like the defensive numbers are eye-popping. When you take a look at the rushing yards and the total yards allowed against the Raiders, but the offense has stalled out in different ways over the last couple of weeks, too. There were a lot of points scored by that offense on Sunday, but they were also held in check on the final two drives, not able to gain more than just... I mean, essentially a handful of yards when you needed to be able to get a score. Yeah, that was tough. And, uh, you know, overall, I think, you know, you've got to give the offense a lot of credit for the whole season, and they're still scoring a lot of points. Um, there have been, you know, the turnovers the last couple of weeks have been pretty costly when they've happened. And those, you know, they, you know, I, I went back and looked, you know, I think last year they had, they had like almost half their games or something without a turnover, and they have not had a turnover-free game yet this year. So clean that up. I think you're going to solve a lot of your issues. But, yeah, the, the late game was tough. I mean, Look, tip your hat to Max Crosby. Yes. He, he wrecked some very crucial plays down the stretch that, you know, that I'm sure everyone's seen the replay by now, but the last play of overtime, the third down, they had Travis Homer coming wide open out of the backfield for a pretty big game potentially, and it just, Gino had no chance of getting the throw off. So, I, you know, I'd love to see that last drive regulation if they hadn't taken away that catch from DK Metcalf. What would have happened there? Because you're looking at first down near midfield instead of third and long, but... uh yeah, I mean, it. we do, you know, we want to see this team finish a game out strong offensively, which they've done in the past, but just not the last couple of weeks. I am so, like, I, 
I'm glad that you mentioned that. I totally agree. There's a couple of points there. One, I was listening for Max Crosby's name during the broadcast. It is hard for me to see what's happening in the trenches. First of all, I'm short. There's a lot of people on the field. <laughs> and if he if he makes the play, like if he is the person that gets credited for the sack, I'm listening for that, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I went back to watch the game like regular TV copy that you see how much he affected so many of those plays. Abe Lucas had his hands full all day long. He was not a hundred percent coming off illness. I think this is just kind of what's happening. Like every single person I know Mm -hmm. has had some version of like a cold in the last couple of weeks. There's, there's a lot of things there. I will also say this. I will never pick on officials, but I do find it curious that the NFL allows the official to be adamant that forward progress is stopped. That's fine, right? Like whether I agree with that or not is fine, but you trust the official to make that play right there. You do not trust the same set of officials, same ones happen on the same side of the field to make the call on DK's catch when he is standing right there in front. And we've already talked about that play is reviewed upstairs There is no, like, there's Mm. no other way that you can counter that. I just find, like, if I was the person on the field, I would be really upset. Well, that (laughs) and and the rule for overturning is supposed to be, like, what's the term, clear and obvious or something like that. And that's a long time to watch something for it to be obvious. To me, if (laughs) it's obvious, it's got to be a little faster. Like, you should watch it. Like, that to me is what replay should be is, oh, shoot, we blew this one, let's reverse it. Not let's study it for four minutes and then decide, ah, the ball moved a little bit, which it did, but, like, again, what what are we doing? I don't know. I don't know. I'm actually talking from, like, being the official on the field as a former official. That would really bother me if I'm like, no, this is what I saw, and then you just told me I didn't see this? That's what I'm talking about. So, anyway, moving on from that, because as DK Metcalf pointed out, you cannot put the game in anybody else's hands but your own at the end of the game. Now, when we look at the matchup against the Rams, John, it it is hard to repeat as Super Bowl champs. It is hard to get back to the playoffs. I don't think anybody saw this coming with the Rams. No, I mean, they were in run-it-back mode and, you know, sacrificing a lot of their future to do so in terms of draft capital and cap space, which... Look, that's a good strategy if it nets you a Super Bowl. You're willing to be bad later. It's surprising that with all the guys they brought back, it's, you know, I think it's safe to, f- the, sorry, I can't talk. It's safe to say that, like, the Super Bowl will have an effect. We even saw it with a Super Bowl team, the Seahawks, that got back to the Super Bowl. They still started slowly yep. their 2014 season. I think they were 500 team, three or five, six games in. The next year, they started 0-2 after their second Super Bowl. So it's hard, but... The way it's kind of fallen apart for the Rams, look, injuries are a huge part of that. I mean, the, you look at the guys who won't be playing this week for them. It's a pretty impressive list. But, yeah, it's. I think it just goes to show how hard in this league it is to to maintain success, especially after all the ups and downs that come with the Super Bowl season, all the extra time, the commitments, the emotion that goes into it. It's just that's hard to recover from. Well, and the injuries, you can't possibly have predicted that Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson were going to be out or that Matthew Stafford would be dealing with injuries. It's now the second time he's been on the injury report for a concussion, essentially ruled out for this week, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have Aaron Donald. 
that's a break for Seattle for sure. But even with that and five straight losses for the Rams, which is the longest losing streak under Sean McVay, you cannot overlook this team because Pete Carroll knows what to expect. They are because they're so well coached schematically since Sean went there. They've done so many good things. And um, that's what I'm talking about to the team today and introducing the team to them is, is how well coached they are, how smart they are, and how they look the same as they always look. And, uh, you know, they've adjusted some things as everybody does, but uh, they do it well. And um, it's just, you know, when they're in those uniforms coming out of that locker room, those guys play good football. Yeah, and the, I mean, Pete Carroll's not going to let his team take this lightly, no matter who is or isn't playing. Sean McVay has coached some really good teams against Pete Carroll. He's won seven of the last nine games against the Rams have against the Seahawks. And they're still playing hard, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The, off, the injuries have really caught up with the offense. Their line's been banged up all year, and the offensive numbers show it. But you look at what they're doing on defense, they're still really good against the run. They're you know, they, they played Kansas City tough. They end up obviously losing that game, but they, you know, they kept it competitive into the second half. So I don't think anyone in a Seahawks uniform is going to go into this weekend thinking, oh, look at this beat up Rams team. This is an easy game. That's not going to happen. No, but when you look at the numbers, it's a very different Rams team than oh, what we've sure. seen in the last couple of years. That offense was explosive. Boy, it seemed like last year Matthew Stafford could do no wrong, right? He's got no look passes to Cooper Cup, and they're just racking up all these explosive plays. This year, the offense is struggling 279 yards a game. That's their average that is 31st in the league they are averaging less than 80 yards on the ground per game now on the flip side of this you mentioned how good the defense is well they're not going to give you a whole lot on the ground and they're not going to give you a whole lot of explosives this is a really good defense i mean this is a defense that that uh it just doesn't give you anything. You know, their runs and passes, they're leading the NFL in the, in the fewest explosions, you know. That's a huge accomplishment. And, and uh, they have their own style, their own way of doing it. You know, they don't necessarily crowd you all around the line of scrimmage, but they, they know what they're doing. Their secondary is really, really well coached. They're really good at getting guys on the ground, tackle really well. They'll minimize your gains. If you, and you're gonna, we're going to have to work really hard, run after catch, and uh, blocking downfield and making yards after, you know, we can get through the line of scrimmage with the, with the running backs. So it is 97 yards a game that they are allowing. That is the fourth best run defense in the league. 323 yards a game. That is the 10th best overall defense in the league. Last week, just 33 rushing yards in the first quarter against the Chiefs. There was a lot of things that Kansas City did well against the Rams, but that defense was able to hold them in check in that run game. Goes back to one of those things that we were talking about. As much as you want to get right, in that run game and up front, this is a tough game to do that in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's been – you go back really to the the last game of the winning streak for the Seahawks, that Arizona game. Cardinals made it tough in the first half, but the Seahawks were able to stick with it, and Walker really got going in the second half. These last two weeks, they haven't really been able to do that. So this would be really big, especially given the opponent and the quality of defense they're facing, if they can get Kenneth Walker going again, and that's – really for this offense to be anything close to its best down the stretch, they need to get back to that balance. We already mentioned Aaron Donald is not playing. He's got a high ankle sprain. It is the first time in his career that he will miss a game due to injury. How about that? I mean, to play in the trenches for that long. Nine years. Yeah, and he's missed one game for a holdout and one game when they had clinched a bye and they were resting starters. But, yeah, the guy is a freak in so many ways. And, uh, you know, I – it's one of those guys that you respect the heck out of because he's so good, but you also are like, well, if we don't see him for a weekend, 
It's okay. It's okay. Let's go go get yourself healthy. Right. Yeah. We're only concerned about your health, Aaron Donald. You just get right and get healthy. We have yet to mention that the Rams might have an X factor in Bobby Wagner, who I still think looks a little odd in four or five. And in my mind, it gets transposed to 54 every time. Yeah. Like, I know that. Just take a picture with your phone and, like, selfie right, and mode. Then just, so, yeah. Right, so flip flips, it around. Yeah. But Bobby has been really consistent in the middle of that lineup. And you wonder, again, X Factor, he knows the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. You wonder how much he could possibly help his teammates out. Now, there's a lot of newness to this team since he was last on it. But still, I mean, yeah, that, I mean he knows Pete Carroll. He, he knows yeah. what's going on. Yeah, and I mean, it was the same offensive scheme last year. And he, granted, Gino's been the backup, but he's been teammates with Gino for a few years. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's familiar with a lot of what the Seahawks are going to want to do. And he is one of the smartest players in the league, especially given the experience he has, everything he's seen. So, yeah, you're, you're going to have to make sure that you're on top of things and not letting him mess up your offense. Well, and the respect that he has from his team. The fact that he was voted team captain before they even started the season Mm -hmm. in L.A. with the new team, I think is pretty impressive. Um, You know, you talk about guys that are making a name for themselves and kind of the competition you have to face over the long haul. Mike Jackson's name has come up a Mm -hmm. number of times, and I do think it's very interesting. John, you and I have covered this team for a long time. Pete Carroll has a very set philosophy of how he wants to use his DBs, right? Whether, Mm -hmm. Whether other folks agree with it or other coaches do it the same way or not. And we are seeing a little bit of a change in that regard to give other guys a chance, whether it be Artie Burns or Trey Brown. And for Mike Jackson, who has earned that spot as a starting quarterback, he's now facing a little more competition. It does have an effect. It's, it's a competitive challenge, you know, and, and uh, Mike's, Mike is, is, has been really solid. He's had a terrific year, uh, his first time starting. And, you know, he realizes, he realizes that you know, we keep pushing guys at him. That's not because of him. It's because it just happens to be guys that also would deserve a chance to compete. And, uh, you know, like, you know, we all know Trey Brown's story. He was starting when he got hurt. I would love to see him work his way back and see, can he take over? I don't know that yet. And uh, I'm just as happy if Mike winds up getting all the rest of the plays because he can hold off Trey. That's great. But, um, I mean, it's the theme of the pro- central theme of the program, you know, competing, and that's just what that is an illustration of. It's not any statement about Mike. It is a statement about Tariq. Tariq is really holding his spot, and he's done a great job. And so we're letting him, the, the guys that have had shots compete with, uh, with Mike. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and Pete Carroll talked a little bit about this. In general, you don't rotate cornerbacks. You want to just keep the guys out there that you trust and, and let them do their thing. But we saw it last year with Trey Brown getting his chance. He came in, started competing with Sidney Jones, eventually won that job. And they've given guys a chance to compete with, with Mike throughout the year, and he's just held on to it. He's been, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that maybe his best game of the season was right after Trey Brown returned to practice. He, You know, he starts hearing Trey Brown's name, and – that game was against the Giants, and he played great in that game. So he's, you know, he's a scrappy guy. He's had to battle to earn everything he has. He's, you know, wasn't a high draft pick, wasn't a guy who's been a starter his whole career, done the practice squad thing, all that. So he's not going to give this up easy. But at the same time, they love Trey Brown. He's a talented guy. Uh, they did say Pete Carroll did say they want to see more of him this week. So what that looks like, we'll have to see. But it's going to be an interesting one to watch kind of how that plays out over the next few weeks if Mike just locks it down or if Trey is able to eventually take that job over.
I thought the other interesting part of that conversation is Pete recognizing that you have to make sure that a guy is okay with it mentally. Not that he has to agree with your coaching decision, but you do need players with confidence. And right now you've got right guard rotation with Phil Haynes and with Gabe Jackson, and you've got it happening at cornerback. So it's not, I don't know that everybody could handle that much competition in season. I think that it is the personality and it's the mindset of these guys that's allowing Pete to get the best guy on the field. Exactly. You want, you want a player to thrive off that competition. They don't have to like it. I mean, I've, I can think of other situations with Pete Carroll of the years where he's asked, you know, how's so-and-so handling it? And he's like, oh, he doesn't like it, but that's what I want. You know, you right. want, you don't want Mike Jackson to be like, oh, Trey can have the job. I'm happy to be a backup <laughs> and go play 20 snaps on special teams and call it good. Like you want him to be mad, but you also want him to handle it right and yeah. use it as like healthy motivation and not some negative situation, creating animosity between guys. So. I think, you know, they're in a great spot at that position overall. They they really like the depth and the talent they have there. But uh, it'll be really fascinating to see that one play out over the next few weeks. We need to take a break from the football talk for just a second and get a word from our presenting sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. Getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Well, when you look at the schedule and you see that you're heading to L.A., you're thinking sunshine, warm weather. Boy, that's going to feel great after a week of snow in Seattle. John, it's 50% chance of rain and 60 degrees as a high on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, not, it's a covered stadium, ideal. but it's open air. Like, it's it's going to be breezy. It'll be okay. I'm probably going to end up wearing this giant fleece that I'm wearing 60 today. 60 degrees is going to feel warm after this week. Well, that's me? true. That's true. But, Cloudy, I, but I, I get I've your made point. my like, mistakes you think LA, there. We you want 75, yeah. 80 degrees and blue sky. That's what you expect when you go to L.A., so... I will, however, be running a new route this time and hopefully finding a few more tacos. That's my favorite thing. Tacos. Tacos. Yeah. I want, especially there, I want tacos. I could also say my favorite thing is a margarita, but I will also... Those two things are not mutually exclusive, by the way. They go together in my book. And only two road trips left in the regular season. I think I like it, but also the last two weeks at home on my couch on a Saturday... My body literally aches from sitting there. I cannot do this anymore, John. Well, you don't have to just sit there if you're at home. I hate to tell you. There are okay. other options. Somehow, <laughs> I ended up sitting there watching football for two weeks, which I loved. But yeah, I realized I can't do this. I'm not built to do this. I am built to travel. I am built to go for a run. I am built to eat tacos there you go. after the run. Okay, we are just about out of time for today. But before we go, two things you need to see for a Seahawks win. John? Well, going to be Captain Obvious and say they need to stop the run. I mean, that's this is not nearly as dangerous of a rushing attack as they've seen. So maybe this is a good chance to get right there. But I don't really care who it is this week. Just put up some good numbers. Don't let them beat you on the ground. Um, and then the other side, I referenced this earlier, but let's have a turnover-free game. Seahawks haven't done it yet see- this year. Let's uh, let's take care of the football for four quarters. And, uh, I mean, they, they're they not punting very much. They're playing good offense. But if you turn it over twice a game, you're costing yourself points. Also, 
Shout out to Michael Dixon for that, that final punt. punt. Holy Man. cow. Gosh, Trey Brown was could have so fallen on close. That. I know. He was right there to make the tackle, and then when it bounced off yeah. the defense, anyway. Oh, that would have been All great. right, I know. We are not going to relive that moment. I was going to be Captain Obvious and say no turnovers in this game. Sorry. Back-to-back games, costly turnovers on that front. I'm still going to stick with that. Also, that pass rush has generated just yeah. one sack in the last couple of games. Lots of different reasons for that. Let's see if Clint Hurt can free up Daryl Taylor, just like he said, and let's hit the quarterback and get at least two sacks against whoever is starting for the Rams. That is our game plan. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.